Romans chapter 8. So as I was praying, the Lord began to take me into these two chapters and just began to speak to me. And I began to read this and I began to realize that these are actions that we're going to be going over of hope. How many know we are people of hope? I, I, this, is, this is what we need to understand. If we're going to prepare for what's coming this year, if we're going to prepare, then we have to be people of hope. We have to be people that believe God has good things in store for us in 2022. That God has a plan for us this year to keep. Now, whether it's for us as a church or for us as individuals, God's got a plan for our lives. We are right in the midst of our 21 days of seek, uh, the study that we are doing together on the Version Bible app. We're right in the midst of that. And that whole study is just about different aspects of life and how to seek God's will uh, in those areas of your life. It's just a devotion that reminds us about different areas of our life and causes us to think a little bit about that because God has a plan for every area of our life but we have to be hopeful we have to be expectant we have to be faithful and how many understand you can't have faith if you have no hope amen because because faith is what does Hebrews 11 and 1 tell us faith is it's the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen, not yet seen. It's but it is the substance of things hoped for. So so therefore, if you are not a person of hope, it will be impossible for you to ever have faith. Now, when I say to have faith, let me justify that or let me clarify that a little bit, because the Bible says every person God has given a measure of faith to. But it will be impossible for you to engage that faith that God has placed within you if you are not a person of hope. Do you know that is why negativity is so dangerous to the life of a believer? Because if you are constantly negative, I have never understood Christians who are constantly negative. It if everything is always negative, then you you have lost hope. And if you have lost hope, you will never engage in faith. And without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. Amen. How many of you want to please God? Then you have to have faith, right? And if you're going to have faith, you have to have hope. Amen. That's just... That's just plain and simple. So be a person of hope. Be positive. I, I, I know people that have ridiculed Christians for being too positive. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've, not, let me, I've been around some, sometimes some, some believers that every now and then I, I've had the urge to just say to them, can you just n- not be positive 100% of the time? Amen. Anybody, but is that too real? Anybody ever, you know, that, that, I, that bubbly personality sometimes? Do what? Too, too blessed to be stressed. Absolutely. Every now and then, every now and then I have to fight. I have to fight the fight of faith every now and then. 
right? So, so there is a fight of faith every now and then. So I'm not saying that every, you know, 100% of your day, you should just all, you know, you're going to have to get through some battles sometimes and some of that. But we, should, we are people of hope. We are people of faith. Now, if you can be that positive person and all the time and always live at that zenith and that pinnacle with faith, God bless you. You're going to see amazing things. I, I guarantee you that. And don't let anybody talk you out of that. I, I've, got, I've got some people connected in our lives that if you are around them, you better get prepared because they are not going to allow you to uh, be negative. They're going to they're, they're gonna challenge that at all times, okay? And, and there's nothing wrong. We need some people like that because let me tell you, there's plenty of Christians <laughs> that, that'll throw all the discouragement your way that you could ever hope for, right? So, so we need to be people of hope. Don't lose hope. Don't feel like everything is negative. Everything is bad. I knew this was going to happen to me. Why even try? Because every time I try, this is the result. That Well, if that is where you're living, you're not living in hope. Therefore, you cannot have faith. Therefore, you're not pleasing God. So we need to be people that know how to take the actions of hope. Because here's the thing. Hope is not just some pie in the sky thinking. That's where the problem has come in. Whenever we, we get to thinking that hope is just this, this, well, we're just faking it. You know, we're just going to fake it till we make it. Now, now, I will say to you, there is some benefit sometimes to just doing that if you need to. But that's not what hope is. That's not just, that, that's not, hope is not just not thinking about bad things or, or, or not doing, that's not hope. The hope has actions with it. And the scripture is going to teach us about the actions of hope if we will allow it to. So we're going to look through this and we're going to find the actions of hope. And that, that's the whole premise of what I've come uh, to share with you. Last week we started it and we talked about the church. We talked about the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, the gathered ones together, that we are the church and that we are the promised church. And we are the Pentecost church or the poured out upon church. So we are promised and we are poured out upon. And we finished last week where we're going to pick up this week talking about then we need to be the pursuing church. And we're going to we're going to see what that means, because this is how the church becomes powerful. And these are actions of hope. Hope lets us know we are promised of God. OK, when we are promised to God, it means we are known by God. We, we were planned for by God, and we were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are the promised church. Out of these principles, we're going to develop the walk and the life of victory and freedom in the, over the flesh. Amen. How many need some freedom over your flesh? Then we need to be people of hope. And we need to be people that walk as promised people. And, and we need the, the training that is necessary to walk in the victorious life. To walk in the miraculous. To walk in deliverance and salvation. We, we must have training and we must be people of hope. And then we need to be the poured out upon church. The Pentecost church. Because there we find we are empowered and then we are preparing our own lives for what God is doing. For Do you know you have a part to play in the preparation process? That's a lot of peas, wasn't it? 
we have a part to play in the preparation process. <laughs> Amen. We, we see God's prepared for us. God's planned for us. God's promised us. But we still have a part that we play in this. We have to be prepared. We have to do what he's told us to do. We have to take the proper actions. And so the port upon church, the Pentecost church, prepared themselves. They were ready. They were, they were ready to step out. They, they were living a life that gave them the ability to step into God's plan. And so we have to be that as well. And then we find now the pursuing church. The church that is in pursuit of everything God has. Because it's, it's not enough to just know you're promised. It's not enough to just be poured out upon if you never pursue. Amen. So we here at River Life and we as individuals are going to be challenged to be people that are in pursuit of God. Amen. In pursuit of his plan. In pursuit of his purpose. Romans chapter 8, verse number 18. We started here and I read this. I may not read all of this, but we'll just read for a little bit. Romans 8 and 18. Wednesday night's Bible study. We're walking through the Word, so we need scriptures. So uh, it's all right. You just follow along. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, I want you to watch this. Do you see hope already rising? The sufferings of this present time are to be considered not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to rise in us. That's hope. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is awaiting for the revealing of God's plan. The sons of God stepping into their rightful roles. For the creation was subjected to futility. That's from the sin nature. From the fall of sin, then the creation is subjected to futility. Now you're going to have thorns and you're going to have drought and you're going to have struggles. All of creation is going to feel the effects. You're going to have all the storms. You're going to have all of the natural disasters that people struggle with so much. All of that is a result of the sin nature of our world. Some people have a hard time with that. Some, some people, when they hear that, they think, well, you're saying God is punishing people. That No, it is the result of sin. Sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. Sin brings destruction. Sin brings separation from God's perfect purpose. And even creation, when man fell, man, Adam and Eve, they were to tend the garden. They were to be the overseers of this world. They were to, mankind was created. And and when man fell into sin, when man gave themselves over to sin, they lost dominion over the earth. And the earth itself was subjected to futility. Not only was man separated from God by sin, But the very thing they were to have dominion over was also subjected to futility. And now we hear that Satan, our adversary, is the prince and the power of the air 
of, of, of this world domain, this flesh domain, and he's only going to bring destruction. Amen. Sin. Every bad thing in this world is a result of sin. It's not, not, not saying personal sin. I'm not saying your sin. I'm saying sin. Every negative thing that comes is the result of that. Because our world was created good. God created it. He spoke it, created it. And then he said, it is good. Right? But after sin came in, and man relinquished dominion to their adversary, now what was good has been destroyed, tainted, just like our lives and everything else that sin touches. And because of that, now bad comes in. So people, if you ever find yourself in a discussion with someone, how can a good God allow such bad things to happen to the world? It's sin has brought this in. These things did not happen until sin was brought in and man relinquished dominion that was given to him by God through sin and now the world is subjected. Amen. Just, just so you know, people want to, that's a trick of the enemy to try to blame this wickedness on God because it takes it off of, of the repercussion of sin. Sin has repercussions. Amen. So just be aware of that. And so uh, as we're reading here, it says in verse 21, the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of this corruption into the glorious liberty of what? Of the children of God. And let me back up. You've you got to hear this. Look at verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. God put hope in this, this fallen creation. There's hope of a new day coming. There's hope at one, when one season, when things die off. There's hope that they're going to grow again when the right season comes. When the, when the water is given right, things will sprout up again. When, when nature is right, things will begin to produce. There's hope, even subjected, this world in sin is subjected to futility, but there is hope that there is better days coming in Christ, okay? I, I know I'm going into this a lot, but I think it's important that you hear this. And it is because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. The bondage of corruption. With sin, with corruption, there's bondage. That, that bondage that, that is in that decay, that destruction. They will be, it will be delivered from the bondage into the glorious Liberty of the children of God. Amen. Liberty that will come as we step in to God's plan. Ultimately, as Christ 
renovates, renews as God. This whole place is going to be uh, renovated and renewed with fire so that it could become all this new heaven and new earth that God prepared it to be in fulfillment. But right now we are subjected. It is subjected. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains until now because it has hope something better is coming. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's believers, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Anybody waiting for that? For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop reading there and I'm going to get into this a little bit. Because I want you to catch the idea of hope. It's all about hope. God's put hope in us. God's put hope in this world. It looks hopeless right now. It looks so dark right now. It looks like it can never turn around. That's why that people say that mankind is going to destroy this planet. Mankind doesn't have the power to destroy this planet. We can be not be good stewards with what God has given us. We can cause harm. We can cause damage. But God is the one that has subjected this planet in hope. Don't, don't get that twisted. Don't buy into that stuff. We, 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 that, that is the theory that man is in control of all this. Man isn't in control of anything. Amen. I'm going to get off my soapbox. I don't want to go too far there. But, but we, we, need to, we need to understand Christians for too long have been silent. God is the one who has the plan for this place. And God is going to take care of His creation because He subjected it in hope. Amen. And when we are believers, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. That means when we've accepted Christ, the Spirit of God in us that renews us in the inner man gives us hope that there's coming a day when even this body is going to be regenerated. Amen. We'll have a new body. Corruption's going to put on incorruption. That's the hope that we are living in. And we groan within ourselves. We, we groan within ourselves. I'm not satisfied in this world. This world is not what I'm after. I groan within myself. This, this world can be hard on us sometimes because we see the wickedness. We see the failure. We see the struggles. We see the weakness of our flesh. And we groan within ourselves. But it's a groan of hope. That, oh, God, quickly renew. Quickly do your work. No wonder in Revelation he ends the book by saying, Come quickly, Lord. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Because they're groaning. We're groaning in this world. Ready for God's plan to be fully engaged. For the adoption to be completed and final. In every aspect and in every way. It's already settled for anyone who has faith in Christ. We are already His. But we still live in an earth suit in a fallen world. And we groan for the better things of God. Amen. Now, here's the problem, though. 
you don't see very many Christians seeming to groan about the the wickedness of this life. We're all about trying to find pleasure and we're all about trying to feel good and we're all about trying to make everything in my life turn out exactly the way it wants. But that's that's never what the intention is to be. It's not going to happen as long as we are in this earth suit in this moment. God will bless. God will show the way. But we are still subjected to futility. Do you know your flesh is subjected to futility? It cannot accomplish God's will. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Sin has devastated. And I'm just not sure we catch that. And so, so we quit pursuing. We quit pursuing God's plan and we start pursuing our plans. And we quit pursuing God's way and we start pursuing our way. Do you know the Bible still says there is a way that seems right unto unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction and death. It talks about two ways. Matthew talks about it in what, chapter 7? He talks about Jesus is is in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. and, And he says, there is a way, there's a broad way that many will find. But there's a narrow way, God's way, that only few there will be that will go therein. Amen. But it's those that find hope. Let me tell you, if your hope is only in this world, you will always be let down. Because this world is futile. It it is why the wisest man in the world went on a search to learn everything he could learn about this world, and he came up with this. It's all vanity. It's all vanity. Because what he understood was, I can learn everything about this world, but it still is futile. Amen. But we will sell out everything, our soul and everything, just for a little piece of the pie in this world. But we won't pursue God. See, I think we need to understand where our treasure is. The Bible says lay up your treasures in heaven. Because where your treasures are, that's where your heart is. Where your heart is, that's where your treasures are at. You've got to lay them up in heaven. Lay them up for the day of hope. The day of promise. Amen. I'm, I'm getting somewhere, so just bear with me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Probably a very familiar passage to many people. Especially to holiness people. I, I knew this scripture from the time I was old enough to probably know scripture. Because it was pounded into me. In verse 14 of Hebrews 12. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. But look what he says. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. There needs to be a pursuit. We need to be in pursuit of living at peace with people because a Christ will bring peace. We can love people that are even unlike us, people that don't agree with us. We can have peace with them because Christ is the Prince of Peace. Amen. I know that's a foreign concept in our culture today because all we want to do is love people that are just like us or have the exact same opinion as us or only have the opinion that's approved by the overlords of society and everybody else needs to be kicked out, cast out, run down, beat up. But Bible tells us pursue peace with all people. 
Christ is the Prince of Peace, and pursue holiness. Pursue the things of God. Pursue the plans of God. Pursue the purposes of God. Amen. If you'll do that, because without these, you can't please Him. And you can't see Him. And I don't know about you, I want to see Him. Because the Word says, Colossians says, chapter 3, He says, looking to Jesus, because when you see Him, you could be like Him. See, I want to see Him. I want to come to Him in that day because I want my life to reflect Him and until the day that my life then is changed into His image as He calls me to. Amen. If you then, and I'll just read it to you, Colossians 3 verse 1. I didn't intend it, but I'll just go there. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Amen. So if I'm going to see him, I got to give my life to him. And if I'm going to see him, I got to pursue peace with people here. And I got to pursue holiness so that I'm walking with him. Amen. Are y'all, are y'all hearing what the word is saying here? See, we're groaning. Our world is groaning. But we have hope. We, if our hope is only in this world, we are miserable. But our hope is not only in this world. Our hope in this world is that our God's going to see us through. Oh, come on now. Did, did you hear that? Our hope in this world is that God's going to provide our needs. Our hope in this world is that God knows exactly how to do, when to do, what to do in order for me to accomplish what it is he's called me to accomplish in this world. That's because I'm promised of him as a child of God. Once I've given my life to Christ, this life that was devastated is brought back into the place that now I'm in union with the Father through Jesus Christ. And now I can fulfill his plan for my life. There's a promise upon my life and I can live for him. Amen. So we, we, we come to this, and here's what will happen. In, in Romans 8, 19 through 23, I just read it to you, but what you need to hear in that is if we will understand this and we're pursuing him and we're pursuing his will, we will wait expectantly and we will long for him earnestly. If you, this is how you pursue Christ. This is how you pursue his purpose. You wait expectantly. Well, pastor, how is that pursuing? How can I be waiting and pursuing? Because you are engaged in the things of God, awaiting the results of God. Amen. But if I don't see the results, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So you pursue him by doing everything he puts before you to do and then just waiting expectantly. Just have an expectation. <laughs> Amen. We notice verse 23, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. 
So we wait expectantly. We long earnestly. That keeps us pressing forward. Isaiah 40 and 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord. But look what it says will happen. They will renew their strength. So that means they had, they had used up all their strength waiting on God. But they will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord. So we wait while we are in pursuit. We are waiting on the results of God. Does that make sense to you? Come on, if you'll get your eyes on this, this is going to help you pursue in your daily life. You're not pursuing a moment. You're not pursuing just a a one-time happening. You know, we get this idea, we pray for things, and then we pursue that one thing we're praying for. But that only leads to to, uh, frustration and discouragement. Because it's not that one thing that we're praying for that we are pursuing. It is God's plan, will, and purpose that we are in pursuit of. And that one thing that we believe is a part of it, we are pressing forward, living for God. But that's not our our end result. Our end result is living clean with Him, pure before Him, full with Him. And if we keep that in our mind, we will wait for all these other results. So he says, wait, wait expectantly. This is how you pursue. These are the actions of hope. Hope waits. Turn to someone and tell them, hope waits. Amen? Otherwise, it's not hope. It's receive. (laughs) But hope waits. We're not very good at waiting, are we? Absolutely. Waiting. We but there are times we've just we we've just got to wait. You know, preachers will say it all the time, I've said it myself. That delay is not denial. You just gotta wait. Oh, but Pastor, I prayed for this certain thing to happen and it didn't happen. Well, if you quit there, then your hope was in the wrong place. I don't mean to be mean, but it's just true. Because your hope is not in the thing you're asking for. The hope is in the God who will lead you to the thing he has for you. Amen. So wait expectingly. The next thing that we read, verse 24 and 25 of Romans chapter 8. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see... We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So here we go. First one, here's how you pursue. You wait expectantly and long earnestly. The second thing we do, we wait with patience and composure. Amen. Huh. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. That means you're persevering. That means means we need some composure. Amen. We shouldn't. Let me. Can I be bold enough to say this to you? We should not be Christians that fall apart at every opportunity. We sh- we need some composure. They in scripture. Here's how the Old Testament would say it. It says King James vernacular. 
quit yourselves as men. And what he meant by that was buck up. Amen. Put your big boy and big girl pants on. <laughs> Amen. Be, have some composure. I mean, after all, who is our God? Well, Pastor, you just don't understand all the struggle that I've had. No, I know, and it can be hard. And if your hope is not in Christ, it will be devastatingly hard. I have no concept of how people go through tragedy, trial, and, and everything that this world brings at us. I have no concept how people do that without Christ. I, I just, I cannot fathom that. I cannot understand that. It, it makes no sense to me because if it had not been for the Lord, I could not have stood through the things I've went through. I have no concept of that. It's only because of Him that I can have composure in my most difficult moments. It's only because of Him. And by composure, I'm not talking about, oh, I'm always there and all that. I'm just talking about, I'm not going to let anyone or the adversary have the satisfaction of watching me just give up all of my hope in Christ because of a situation. Amen. I, I'm, I'm not going to give up. Oh, I want to sometimes. And I'll whine to God and my wife sometimes. Amen. I try not to whine to too many other people, but my wife, my wife will let me whine to her for about five seconds, and then she puts an end to that. And she usually will bring something back at me that I've preached. And I sure don't like that. She even writes, if I'm whining too much, I've noticed when I whine too much, I'll wake up in the morning, go in the bathroom, and she's put a statement I made preaching up on my mirror or a scripture. And I think, okay, I've been whining too much. She's, she's politely reminding me about this. Yeah, I got to put my big boy pants on. Somebody, we, we need to hear this. We need to have some composure. Amen. Do you believe Christians should be people of composure? Do you know when they, were, when they were being burnt at the stake? When they were being fed the lions? When they were being run through with stakes and they were, they, they were being treated in all of those ways? They were being burned as torches on the streets of Rome. Those men and women would face those times with composure. Amen. Now hear, please hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying. That we should not have moments of emotion, and those are gonna. We're in a. We're, we live in this world. We're gonna have those. But my goodness, don't stay there. Don't wallow there. Don't just roll around in it. Ask God to help you. Ask God to comfort you. He's the God of all comfort. He's the God of all strength. He can give you comfort when it's impossible. He can give you peace that passes all understanding. Has anybody ever experienced that? I've had him give me peace in moments that I had no idea how he could even bring me peace in those moments. But if I keep pursuing him, then he is able to bring that into my life. Amen. Hebrews 12 and 1. If you want to turn there, you can. But it says we're, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race. That is before us. James chapter 1. My wife's favorite book in the Bible is the book of James. James, she said it's just the most practical book in the Bible. 
James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What a, what a, what a crazy statement. Who wants to count it joy when you fall into trials? He says, count it all joy, knowing that the testing of your faith is going to produce patience. Amen? The testing of your faith. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. So when you fall into trials, count it joy, because now I've got an opportunity to let patience have his way in my life. Yeah, absolutely. David had to be, so, had to be patient. As he's being chased around. The king being chased around by the king God had rejected. Patience pays off and brings joy. Amen. Amen. All right. Let, let, me, give you, let me give you one more. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Okay. So see here, he's telling you to be patient. He's telling you persevere. He's telling you to, to be composed. He's telling you all these things that are the actions of hope. But he knows we're human. So look what he says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Amen. Anybody glad these scriptures are here? Because see, the, you were mad at me for saying we need composure and we need to be patient and we need to buck up sometimes and we need to stand up and you, you were mad at me and offended and saying you just don't know what I've been through and you don't know why I, and you, you were mad at me for that. But God knew what he was doing because he wasn't going to leave you there. He, he, he's going to say, but you know what? In your weaknesses, there is an answer. Amen. Because let me tell you, I'm not always strong in these things. But when I'm weak, he can be strong. So look what he says. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Spirit's going to help you in your time of weakness. So here's, here's what I, I begin to see in that. Understand this. One, another way we pursue is by being assured and know that God has a way of helping us. The Spirit of God is the helper. helper. He is the comforter. He is another helper, Jesus said. So God has the way to help us in our times. If we'll just pursue him, God will help us. When we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit will intercede for us. When we are weak, the Spirit of God will be strong in us. There have been times when I've been so weak I didn't know what to do, but the Spirit of God all of a sudden gave me strength that I should not have. Be assured. Know God has a design and a purpose to help you even in your weaknesses. I want to say this to you. I was praying here at the church on the 11th of this, of this month. And I wrote this down because in my prayer time, I began to hear this in my spirit. When it comes to weakness and failure, and personal struggles, we must learn how to approach the Lord properly. Amen. I was praying about this, and I, I felt in my spirit the Lord saying, Tell my people that it is imperative that they learn how to approach me properly. In times of weakness, in times of failure, 
Times of personal struggle. Anybody ever have any personal struggles? Anybody ever have any weaknesses? Anybody ever have failures? In those times, how you approach God is very important. Listen. Do not, when it comes to your weaknesses, your failures, and your struggles, do not approach the Lord as a victim. First, approach the Lord as the perpetrator. Hear me. Because our flesh works in conjunction with our adversary. And, and I know the world, the biggest thing to, that goes around in Christian circles a lot of times is in your areas of weakness and your areas of struggle. Well, you just can't help it. But you'll never live in freedom if you're always coming to the Lord over your struggles and your weaknesses as a victim. Let me, let me give you some scripture for this. Let me give you some thoughts about this. You can, you can look. Adam and Eve, when they failed God, they tried to blame each other and the adversary. They tried to approach God as the victim. They weren't the victim. They were perpetrators. Amen. Cain. When he killed his brother Abel, when, when God approaches him about it, he tries to play the victim. Amen. I know this is hard to hear in our culture today. But you need to understand what I'm saying. Moses tried to blame his outbursts of anger on the people. But the outburst of anger was his issue. People had their own issue. But he, he wanted to be the victim when it came to his issue. Now, you will be, the, let, let, me, let me clarify, because I don't want anyone to take this out of context. There are things in your life you will be victimized by others. There will be times you will be a victim. There will be times that, that things, people will do things to you that have nothing of your own uh, brought that on and it was wrong. And, and I'm not talking about those times. I am talking about in your struggles, in your weaknesses, in your failures. Do not approach God as if you are the victim. You'll never get freedom from that. You have to understand, God's got a way to help you, but you have to be honest with God about the situation. See, I approach God in my moments of weakness, struggle, and fears. He's teaching me to approach Him with hope. And if I'm going to approach Him with hope, I'm not going to come to Him as the victim. Oh, God, if they hadn't done that to me, I wouldn't have acted that way. If they hadn't done this, I wouldn't have. I don't, I, that's not going to help. That's not hope. That's coming and, and, and just thinking that God's going to strike me down or do. No, I've got hope that if I'll just approach him as, uh, and, and acknowledge, Lord, I'm weak in this. This is a struggle that I have. This is a failure in my life. I repent of that. I turn it over to you. I bring it to you. God can help me then. Moses struggled with it. Elijah struggled. Do you remember Elijah? He left Mount Carmel, calling fire down, rain in a drought. He left there, and because Jezebel said, you'll be dead by this time tomorrow, he ran off into the wilderness and moped and whined to God. 
He told God, oh, there ain't anyone to stand with me. I'm the only one. And God, God, I, now I, this is my lessons. I'll say it the way I believe God said it because I, I know this is how God says it to me a lot of times. Uh, it's like God just says, get yourself up. I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee. Why are you running from this? This is your problem. This is your crisis of faith. A amen. And he had to understand that. He had to come properly to God. N it never turns out well when you try to blame your failure, your struggle, your weaknesses on other people rather than just taking them to God and saying, I need you in this. Don't come to God as the victim in those times, but as the perpetrator. Here, here's some things that came to my mind. I sabotage my boldness in Christ when I listen more to the doubt of others around me. See, if I am not bold for Christ, it's because I have allowed the world around me and the adversary to speak doubt into my life. I sabotage myself with that. I sabotage my opportunities for God when I am not spiritually prepared. Amen. I mean, we just have to fess up. We just have to. If, if I miss my opportunity with God, it is not because of anything anyone else did. It's because I was not spiritually prepared. Because if it's an opportunity a door God opens... If it's an opportunity from God, he's going to make a way if you're prepared. Amen. I sabotage my obedience through feeding the disobedience of my flesh. Amen. We can blame the world. Well, it's just so wicked. And all that, but we don't have to feed ourselves on that stuff. If your weakness and your struggle is with disobedience to, God, uh, disobedience to God's word, don't go blaming Hollywood and don't go blaming everybody. Else. You have an off button. Amen. Don't go blaming. You know, if you've got road rage issues, pastor, don't go blaming those people driving around you. Amen. It's... <laughs> Amen. I'm not sure if that's biblical or not. I might have to think about that one. We, 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 we need to understand we sabotage ourselves with weakness and failures and struggles if we don't take them properly, properly to the Lord. Be assured and know God's got help for you, but you have to acknowledge you need help. He only comes to those that are in need of a physician. Is that just too upfront for you? I know that's probably going to be the most unpopular thing I've said in quite a while. Because I want to tell you, we live in a culture that wants to tell us that everything about our lives is we are victimized by everything else. And there are times that we are victims. There are times things happen to us. But more times than not, we can choose to live victoriously in Christ. Amen. I have never failed God because someone else, not even the devil, made me do it. 
when I have failed God, it is because Greg failed God. I wasn't spiritually prepared. I fed my flesh in disobedience. I listened to the doubt of others around me. It was not on anyone else or any other entity. And if I come to God with that and am obedient and say, Lord, I need your help, he's got help for me. And I have found there's hope for those that need help. Our flesh, our flesh nature is the perpetrator that works in conjunction with the adversary. This is why we must die daily to ourselves. Galatians 2.20, you can write them down. Galatians 5.24, Philippians 1.20-23. We got to bring our flesh under submission. 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul says. We got to bring it under discipline and, and submission to him. We got to get our thought patterns right. And we have to be obedient unto the Lord. Amen. Can I, can I give you two more things and I'm done? So how do we win this battle? How, how do we do this? How do we, how do we keep hope in the fact that God has help? What do we need to do? Let me, let me tell you, we, we do this by living with a kingdom mentality. And here's what we have to do. If we will see our lives as the kingdom of, we are in the kingdom of God. Biblical days, a kingdom would have walls around it most often. Settings, cities, things would have walls around them. Here's, here's in prayer. I was asking the Lord, okay, Lord, I know that I can't come to you. I have to be honest when I come to you. So what steps can I take to find your victory? And this is what the, I felt the Spirit of the Lord say to me. Learn to guard the gates of the kingdom. Fortify the walls. Shut the windows. Now remember, you got to see your life as the kingdom of God. You're now in the kingdom of God, so you got to shut the windows. Sometimes you got to shut the windows. If an adversary is attacking a, a city in those days, if their windows are open, they can shoot arrows through, they can throw flames through, they can do all these different things. So you got to shut some windows sometimes. You got to quit giving access. You got to guard the gates. You got to put some defenses up where the enemy is going to attack you the strongest, where you're the weakest. You got to fortify the walls. That means you've got to be building yourself up in your faith, and you've got to make sure the walls are being prepared. If you're ever, if you're ever out uh, ranching or anything like that and have cattle out in the field, if, if you don't go and make sure the, the fences are up, guess what's going to happen with your cattle? They're going to be wandering all over everywhere else other than in your pasture. You've got you to fortify, right? You've got to fortify walls. You've got to guard gates. You've got to shut windows. And then within the kingdom, you have to train and empower with weapons. Armies are trained and empowered in the safety of the kingdom. So then they can go boldly out and defeat the adversary. Lord said, if you'll come to me properly, I'll give you help. And once you understand this, I can help you. I'll help you shut the windows. I'll help you guard the gates. I'll help fortify the walls of your faith and your strength. I'll train and empower you in the weapons of your warfare. And I'll give you boldness to go out and attack the enemy. Amen? See, God will help 
those that have hope. Stand your feet with me. We could go farther, but the last thing I was going to say was that you, need, you have to be persuaded beyond any doubt. The rest of Romans chapter 8 tells us you've got to be persuaded beyond doubt. Paul would say, I am persuaded. He would say, I am not ashamed in Romans 1 of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he would say, I have fought the good fight. I finished the course. Amen. So what have we said tonight? We've said we are to be a pursuing people in church. We're to pursue God. We're to wait expectantly, long earnestly. We are to wait with patience and composure, trusting God. And we are to be assured and know God's got a way to help us. And then we must be persuaded beyond any doubt that God is on our side. The actions of hope. I don't know about you. I want to be a person of hope. Romans 12. We're going to walk through that as we walk through this. And we're going to we're going to find specific strategies for people of hope. And we'll take these and break them down and I'll share these with you. But let's pursue God. How many are ready to bring your weaknesses, your failures and your struggles properly to the Lord? I have them. You have them. We all have them. Just properly bring them to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you. For being our ever-present help in time of need. Thank you, Lord. For giving us hope. Building our faith upon hope. Lord, that even though sin dominates in the world we're living in. You have placed within us your spirit. And the seeds of life. And abundance. And completeness. Have taken root. And we walk through this world. Expecting. Your plan to be seen and your ability to lead us in every direction you have for us. Just teach us, Lord. Teach us to wait. Teach us to be composed while we're waiting. To have faith. And then teach us, Lord, to approach you properly. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. And amen. God bless you for being here tonight. You can be dismissed.